Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, an assistant coach, and I love films. As the great Alan Watts once said, the menu is not the meal. The Menu is a film directed by succession director Mike Mylod. Yeah, that's true. Well done, Alan. Good point. Every week, I invite a special guest over. I tell them they've died. Then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Mark Frost, Sharon Stone, and even Bed Clambles. But this week, it's finally happened. He's here. It's the one. It's the only. It's Mr. Ted Lasso himself. It's Jason Sudeikis. Remember that you can watch all of Ted Lasso seasons one to three on Apple TV+. Plus. Get caught up on all of them if you've not seen them yet, because we do discuss some things, including the ending and other moments from the show. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you get extra stuff on all the episodes. You get extra questions. You get secrets. We discuss beginnings and endings of films. You can always get the whole episode uncut and ad-free and often as a video. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis is a living legend. You know him from SNL. You know him from We're the Millers. You know him from Horrible Bosses 1 and 2. You know him from Colossal. You know him from the Angry Birds movie 1 and 2. You know him from Race. You know him from Kodachrome. You know him from Permission. You know him from Sleeping with Other People. And you know him as Ted Lasso himself. We recorded this episode in person in a studio two weeks after the finale of Ted Lasso had aired, and it was very great to have a little debrief and finally get into his thoughts on life, death and movies. And I really think you're going to love this one. We talked about so much that I've split the episode into two parts. Part two is next week, and it's all excellent stuff. But for now, this is part one. So that is it. I very much hope you enjoy episode 261 of Films to be Buried With. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried With. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by a miller, an angry bird, 
a Kodachroma, an SNLer, Joe Biden, Captain My Captain, a writer, a director, an actor, a showrunner, a creator of worlds, a man, a legend, a father to the world, <laughs> uh, a basketball champion, a pinball wizard, and a great lover. Please welcome to the show. I can't believe he's here. It's only the one and only. It's Mr. Jason Sudeikis. Hey. Oh, oh. I I don't know if that was enough. Ten too many, or not, <laughs> or ten too few. It felt incomplete, but you know, we'll, I'll do no. the rest if we do a resurrection. I'm only forty-seven. I got time to go. Yeah. Right. I got at least five more years. Yeah. How are you, Jason? Yeah, thanks. I'm all right. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Happy Hump Day. Happy Hump Day. Although these exist in a in a timeless, spaceless vacuum, right? Like they, 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 they're timeless. They're timeless, but they do also come out on a hum day. Oh, nice. Your instincts were right. Oh, perfect. So many questions for you. Can I start with like the obvious? We're recording this two weeks since the Ted Lasso finale. Two? Two weeks to yeah. the day. Yeah, almost. Golly. How does your head and heart feel two weeks after having released the end of your releasing the effluvia? Release the hounds. The Having released the hounds, have they have they brought anything back to the estate? <laughs> Good, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was pretty um, you know hectic leading up to the release with just you know the visual effects. That, you know, we had <laughs> a fun fact that was given to me from our post crew was that you know in the in our finale, season one, episode ten, there were a hundred VFX shots, and in the finale this year, there were six hundred. <laughs> so that's six times oh as many, God. right? Yeah. Uh, not that this is you know. I'm sure there's math fans that want that listen to this, right? There's a, I'm there's a, big with the math crowd. Yeah, because they love the structure of it. They're like, yeah, yeah. oh, <laughs> left brain satisfied, you yeah. know, with some right right brain dalliances. But yeah, I feel I, I feel good. And then it was right after that I went straight to Kansas City to do yeah. the, the charity event with a bunch of family and friends. And so like I, I wasn't like um, in withdrawal right off the bat. I was yeah. like I was like you know just. In, in a whole other, you know, state of mind, you know, trying to get into that. But but it was nice because we met a lot of folks that, that, you know, had nice things about the show. I just watched it and, you know, laughed their brains out, cried their eyes out, whatever, whatever, you know, they did. However they responded. But yeah, overall, I feel, I feel fine, you know. You're not, you don't feel uh, bereft? You're not grieving? Still? Not really. Have you, have you, is your brain still? Still, it's still sort of there. In that, yeah. Yeah. I, and yeah. Yeah. And, and And then even though, like, we're not, doing, you know, any of these, you know, events that the cast was in town for. I got to see yeah. those guys. So that always feels a little bit like we're just yeah. back in the thick of it, you know? But yeah, it's, there's no, not, not any time yet. And in, in, in a pinch, I'll just play FIFA. I'll play yeah. on FIFA. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's always that. There is always that. That does genuinely help, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it's a good, it's, you know, it's like a methadone clinic for yeah. the withdrawals of, of the heroin of Lasso. That's so true. I don't know if you've seen the video I reposted on Twitter of, I think a guy's filming his girlfriend watching the film. I did see that, yeah. And her just <laughs> losing goes, her mind. She's crying and yeah. crying. And then I think right at the end, she goes, oh, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Which, <laughs> is, like, which is like, that's that's what Ted's dad did. That's, yeah, you know, I'm part of the sure reason that all this. <laughs> 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 I'm not sure that was the takeaway. But bless her. I mean, you know, they got to get those those VHSs back to Blockbuster too. She can't rewatch yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to get those puppies back. You got to rewind them suckers and then get them right back. Otherwise, that's a late fee. Uh, that goes on your permanent record. <laughs> a lot of people don't know. That's what shut Blockbuster down. Is that they're like you're meddling in permanent records. 
I want to ask you sort of creative questions, if I may. Sure. If you go from the start, the start of... Are these questions you know the answers to? Some um, I do, and some yeah. I have a vague... Right. But I kind of want to get into it. I actually sure. don't know the answer entirely to this. Yeah. If you go to day one, mm-hmm. writer's room, Ted Lasso, to final day filming, or right. editing, final day, sure. having in. Okay, I want to know how you see it in your head, if you can articulate it. And when we're in the writer's room and stuff, so you have a vision, but the vision isn't complete. It doesn't have all no. the bits in it. Of course not, no. So how much of it, when people are throwing in ideas and you're seeing stuff, when it becomes clear, is it always like a puzzle piece going in like, oh yeah, that would, obviously that that's right. Mm-hmm. Or is it sometimes like, yeah, this could work with that. Like how complete is the overall picture to you? Or is it sort of a tiny bit at a time? It's a tiny bit at a time. The big, I mean, from soup to nuts, as, as the saying goes, in a meal much fancier than I've ever had, I think. <laughs> I've soup, never, soup with nuts. Well, it like starts with soup and it ends with nuts. It might be like a 19-course meal. It's a saying. I don't know. It's like <laughs> soup to nuts. I don't know. Yeah. We should look that up. Someone should look that up and let us know. But I, I, it was just about knowing the tone of it, knowing like the themes of it, knowing like the, that, that was the stuff that I knew. And Ted's journey. I knew mm. like, I knew, you know, spoilers. I knew Ted had to go home. But but there's too much of a factor of other people's stories, you know, the writers, other the casting, you know, the, the talents of of those casts, the the chemistry amongst the cast members and stuff, and that you're just listening as it goes. And a great amount of of the show just slotted in like a like a puzzle, as you were mm-hmm. saying. Like when you said, that, I was like, yeah, in a, in a in a weird way that you barely had to like trim around the edge to make it to like jam it yeah. in or anything, like where it just sort of like. And then I was just trusting that, and then then you're just sort of waiting. Never relying on it, but trusting that it's going to happen. So it was like, it, it certainly w- was parts of that. I think, and I think that's part, the, the clearest example of that is stuff like, well, I think just the cast. I, mm. I can't look at anybody in the cast and be like, ah, I wish we would have got, Do like you, we got exactly who we were supposed yeah. to get. And everybody's like perfect at it. I think that's why they can be, <laughs> come in the form of a claymation version of themselves or a Lego character. And I, and I, that has a lot to do with also hair and makeup and wardrobe mm. and, and the actor's, you know, personal essence, but but it also is a little bit the way that that all those things factored in and, and slotted in right right into that that role. In my head, mm. and I don't know if, and forgive me if this is not true for you. Mm. Episode four of season one is when it all started. Is I felt like not only did we as a cast like I remember that read through before mm. we were even in the thing where it felt like this is cooking, like as in everyone is now comfortable in their parts. Everyone's getting this and we are all gelling and the chemistry is great. And it may have been there before, but I think everyone's confidence started to come sort of episode four. And then I remember watching you and you, when we were in that gala, talking like it was the first time maybe I observed you in detail, kind of painting on set as in just walking around, talking talking to people like, this is what you're thinking. Even even I remember when Keely reached over to get the champagne bottles. You had a word with the lady who was playing the bar girl. Like you, you were like Mary Poppins in one of uh, Dick Van Dyke's paintings, <laughs> going, <laughs> sure. like, interacting with everything. Like, yeah, yeah. this is this and this and this. And it was all, it really felt like magic. And then also in that episode, when Rupert arrived, mm. do you remember? That's when I was like, this is all magic. Mm. Like, he was so fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. He, when he first shouted at the back of the room, it was like, fuck me, this is magic. They couldn't be more perfect. Yeah. No, I mean, four for me was always in the, um, it was in the pitch. I mean, even when, when mm. like, 
I'd have to look back at what Brendan and Joe and I worked on back in like my house in December or like whatever, not December, but like in 2015. But it was certainly in there by the time, you know, talking through with Bill Lawrence about it and and then certainly in, in, the, in the pitch. I don't know if it was in the pitch, but it was in, it, was, it would have been in, mm-hmm. you know, seeing Rebecca be confronted with Rupert and Ted coming upon her, you know, in tears and him comforting her. Yeah. Was always there, so there, that was the first time that we were in a single location. It wasn't. It, it wasn't technically a bottle episode because we, you know we had the stuff at the beginning. You know, you guys getting mm-hmm. you and Jamie getting in a fight at the locker room and whatnot. But it was the first time there were multiple stories going on with like emotional undercurrents. I mean, I, I remember that was that was the same. It's really funny that that would have been the first week. It makes sense to me, uh, and I remember all that. It's something about being on a field trip or like yeah, you yeah. know like at camp. We yeah. were at Ted Lasso camp, and it was unusual. I know people, you know. You know, some folks were concerned about that episode because we were setting up, you know, whatever, the, the locker room. And now we're already out of a different place and nobody's in the same clothes. And I love that about that because it just accelerates yeah. community in real life. Like when, you, you know, that's, I mean, that's what the whole, like one of the fun jokes about speed is. It's like, you know, relationships that start under a high pressure situation <laughs> don't end up, you know, and by speed too, she was right. You know? uh, <laughs> but like, but for me, that's, that's where you get to sort of see people outside of their element. It's like watching them play board games or, mm. or seeing the way that they, they've seen them dance. You know, it's like yeah. you, you see them in a little <laughs> bit where there where they could be uncomfortable or a little bit out of their element. And, and that's what that episode was. And so everybody, yeah, was, and I was holding a lot of these stories and these arcs in my head. Like, cause I remember that was the first time that I sat down with Nick and explained to him, yeah. you know, what, what was going to be going on there. And I told him just to sit, I go, you don't get up and dance though. You just sit back and watch because you don't think you can dance. But you're seeing like, wow, this guy, like, how do I get to, do, how can I do, how can I affect people the way he affects people, you know? And that obviously has, you know, turns in, in, in season two where he, where he doesn't, you know, affect Nate that way anymore, you know, like the way he did and he was at that moment. And so if you watch that episode again, you see just Nick just sitting at that table, like in that suit that Ted bought him, being like, oh, he's literally, you know, surrounded by it. But, but it was, it, but that was another magical sort of way things slotted in, you know, finding Cam Cole, you know, the musician yeah, was, was not too dissimilar from the way that we found that Ted finds Cam Cole, you know, when he's just mm-hmm. walking by and walking through, it's like all those little things. Yeah. Really, really happened. But yeah, I mean, Tony Anthony heads, you know, coming in and that white dinner jacket was just badass. So, you know, that's just like bad Rick uh, from, from Casablanca. Just yeah. like, you know, if Rick was a bad guy. Evil Rick. Yeah. <laughs> Evil Rick. That's so true. Is <laughs> my, it's, okay, is, I think what I'm trying to get at is this, is that in my head, a lot of this is magic. Mm-hmm. As in, I felt like when we made this show, that it was with the angels. And mm-hmm. then sometimes stuff would have me just go like, I can't believe this. this yeah, yeah. Is. So in terms of, in your head, having to hold this whole thing, not just the story, but the reality of production and 200 people. Oh, and all Lord, that. that's not all me by any but, means, but yeah. Uh, you know, I would argue that I probably had nothing to do with holding it all together. <laughs> <laughs> but occasionally it would pop it. Yeah, no, people Someone would pop would it. Someone would knock yep. on the door. So, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Come in. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you don't have the complete puzzle, but you have elements of it. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm asking if, do you rely on some sort of spiritual thing? Like when it comes to you, are you like, where is this coming from? Has it been in the back of your head? Is it yeah. with the angels? Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah. How, much is, how much are you open to letting magic happen? Oh, and- all, there's nothing but openness. Yeah. I, I think it's nothing but that. I, I like All I was doing, it felt like, to a certain degree, from Jump, was like curating a great cookout. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm just putting stuff on the plate, but everybody's bringing something that they love to the plate. Hopefully, if they don't love it, then it, it and yeah. if they just kind of liked it or it just kind of worked or it felt like it was supposed to, this is what's supposed to happen, then like it usually just got, it got called out pretty quick. because there are a bunch of other fun stuff to choose from, usually from the same, mm-hmm. any of the same people, you know? So, but a lot of it is staying open to it, you know? I mean, you can't, you can't hold water in a closed fist. You know, so it's like you gotta you gotta stay open there and see see who comes to drink from it, and you know, and occasionally nourish yourself. But yeah, was there ever moments of like when we didn't have it yet, mm-hmm. where you maybe what Marcy, like did you ever like lose faith, like oh god, is the magic going to come because we we don't have this piece figured out yet, or was were you just like patience, patience, it'll come? Yeah, to a, I mean, to to a certain degree, yeah. I think I questioned myself. I know for me personally, the whole time, but I think that's just that's just the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm wired. I mean, even from jump, but also, but also not worrying about it too much, you, you, you know, or, or getting caught up in it. And I, and I think sometimes, you know, I just sort of fall back into like an athlete's mentality of like, well, you've done, you've done the work, you, you, you practiced, you know, as much as this other team or as much, maybe as yeah. much as this other guy too, especially in my youth. And the same thing with like coming from like an imp- improv background where, where, while I'm not a hundred percent on board at all times with improvisation being, you know, sold as a product, I, I, believe in it greatly as a, as a process uh, in order to like, you know, create material and, and, you know, live life and, you know, drive on the highway, you know, like, you know, <laughs> yes, and go ahead, merge, you know. Um, but I definitely, um, definitely, have, yeah, tons of, tons of self-doubt. I think, I think that's a, that's healthy, you know, and, 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 but never doubt about what it was and never a doubt about being proud of what we're all making and, and equally as importantly, as, as often as possible, how we were making it, you know. Yeah. But I remember having a chat with one of your fellow podcasters, Esther Perel, and she was like, how long have you had this idea? And I go, I don't know. She goes, probably your whole life, right? You know, you've been writing it your whole life. And I was like, yeah, lady. Yeah. Bingo. You know, bullseye. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and yeah. we're just in a buffet line. This woman, I tell you, you can see right through it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just like oh, you know, they have bigger plates. And she's yeah. like, you don't need that big a plate. I go, you're right. I don't. God bless you. <laughs> two other two other questions. Yeah. One is having done this, and it's a monumental achievement. Is there like a tip you would take from making that to making your next thing, or do you feel it is all specific to this, or would you just apply the same thing to your next thing? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I think personnel wise, I think it's in sniffing out over the three years of where I think my bread is buttered, what I think I'm better at, how to navigate relationships that can exist under the guise of, of being personal, but actually are only professional and how to, how to, you know, anticipate something along those lines and not, not being so reliant on the way I work. You know, like an example would be of the, not of the, the former thing I said, but of the latter would be, I knew at some point that, that my, me coming from, you know, Saturday Night Live, me coming from improvisation is not the way most people are trained. It wasn't even training that, that was there so much as the way I am used to executing things. And so doing things at the, at the last second isn't me, you know, having the answer and then withholding it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, it's not some Machiavellian, like, you know, dick move. It's, it's like yeah. literally like, oh, in, you know, at 11.25 p.m. Is, is like, the, the, or the sketch isn't done until it's on. And then yeah. even after it's aired, there's like, you know, oh, dress rehearsal is better and we can change that for the West Coast feed. At least we could during my time. Now they show yeah. SNL live, you know, across the country. But, you know, if, if there were a couple of times when I, you know, boofed a line that Lauren would be like, well, if you want to put in, you know, the West Coast, I was like, yes, please, you know, can we? Or if someone, you know, mm. 
swore or any, any, any of those, you know, concerns so they don't get fined doubly, I assume. But, you know, I'd be, I'd be more cognizant of that. Uh, but, you know, Brendan and I are, are from that world. You know, Joe and I are from that world. You know, Brendan and Joe and I are obviously all from that world. So, like, we are kind of used to it. And even the initial commercials were built that way. That'd be, they'll be the, the two biggest things. It's just, yeah, keep my, you know, radar up a little bit more on that. But nothing towards the process of doing it has made me more fearful or cynical or jaded towards the process of, okay. you know, make, doing ensemble arts at all. No, if anything, it's just, it's, it's, it's proven, you know, so many aspects of it. Of, of, of my belief system in regards mm. to how one can go about doing it correctly. And that's only not through from within. That's from, that's from you know, the, the relationships I've made whilst doing it. And, and this neat thing that we made. The, the response to it's great. We had no control over that. I just yeah. love what we made. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the, like the responses, both, uh, you know, good, bad, and ugly. Especially once something's come to an end and people wanting a certain thing that, that was there, that they felt was there. Like, I'm not one to tell you it wasn't. I'm not one to tell you, you know, you're wrong or... I can answer any of the questions as far as what I think it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and even that, I kind of like withhold because it's like, who cares? Yeah. Like, I've told you what I, what I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's all in there. So, yeah. And lastly, acting. You are um, objectively an outstanding actor. No, no, no such thing. <laughs> but I also, I'm <laughs> like, I learned many things from you. And I think I really genuinely learned a lot about acting from you. I think you're a phenomenal actor. I don't mind saying that. Probably. That's sweet of you. I think you're phenomenal. And, and one thing that I really, really appreciate and loved about doing scenes with you is you, like Juno Temple, like my, like everyone in that cast, but given, you know, I know there are people, number one on a call sheet, who don't do this. Mm. You give light and love even when you're not on camera. And there's a specific scene I remember very well in the office where part of my performance is because of you and you're not on camera. Mm. As in, you're, you're doing what, what essentially acting should be, but rarely is, I think. You're giving and reacting and listening and I say something and you reacted in such a way that it moved me. You know what I mean? And anyway, all that is to say, you're very, very good. But also <laughs> how, and you've always have been. Did you learn it? Is it natural to you? Is it just? I don't know. Because it is unusual, I think, what you do. I don't, I don't know what I do. I don't know what I do. I've, I've taken a handful of classes, mostly improvisation. I've tried to make sense of it in, in the sense of like, why do I like this? Why did mm -hmm. I have a knack for it? I, I do believe it's similar to what you're saying that endowing me with of, 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 of like saying that part of your performance in, in that scene in particular was shaped by my reactions to it. And yet I believe that the majority of who I am and what I am and how I am is in reaction to the people I was lucky enough to be around. Mm -hmm. by family and, you know, and by choice, by, you know, friends, you know, so, and, and, and the things that, that I watched growing up, you know, and, and then in doing improvisation, I was getting, I would always get, understandably, because it was the time to, to try these things where you play different characters and whatnot. And I would just always play a version of myself and that, and I was kind of resolute in that. I was kind of like, almost like, you know, I, I would assume that even teachers of mine would be like, well, he's kind of a dick about it. Like, like mm -hmm. Jason, play something else. Like, you know, don't just play the guy, you know. And yet I got all these reps being in all these ridiculous scenarios that that all my clever, you know, <laughs> classmates and teammates yeah. and, and, and castmates would choose. And I would just get to play that reality, but as myself. And that's sort of what you're doing. I, 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 I don't feel... Um, that I'm skilled in, in the way that like, you know, someone like Daniel Day-Lewis or, you know, people that can turn into completely different people. I, that's not, that's not my knack as of yet. But then I would, I think that you do. We, do you remember the very first time we talked, we had a FaceTime, mm -hmm. one in the morning, my time. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things we talked about was the film Colossal, mm -hmm. which I think is excellent. And I think you are excellent in it. And if people Thank haven't you. seen that, 
Yeah. It's really an interesting watch in opposition to Ted Lasso oh, because sure. Ted Lasso is the most charming, yeah. lovely, delightful person. And what I think is incredible about Colossal, and it's the same thing I think we've talked about with Nick Mohammed and with most people when they play a bad person mm-hmm. are scared of being unlikable. ugly, yeah. unlikable, yeah. pathetic, yeah, weak, yeah. any of those adjectives. So they'll do it very charmingly or they'll do it mm-hmm. with pizzazz, yeah. you know. And what yeah, you do, or so, yeah. so to speak, yeah. And it is a spoiler, I'm afraid, for Colossal, but you start off as a kind of rom-com type yeah. kind of character, yeah. and then you are revealed to not be a good guy. And when you aren't the good guy, you're a really bad guy. Yeah. And it's brilliant, and you're not likable. You take away all the things that make you no, it's, charming. It, and It's awful. I remember even yeah. when watching it the first time, I was like, oh, should I have like, gone more like the Jack Nicholson and the Shining route, yeah, where it's like, yeah. the, which is... a a likable psychopath, you yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, looking, you know, not that I'm some sort of the film wizard or anything, but like when you look at it, it's iconic, but it's still Jack Nicholson and it's, yeah. and, and it's perfect for that movie. But in this one, no, I would just, I just, yeah, just was making that choice. And, and again, it, it to have the opportunity to, to do that in all those scenes with Anne Hathaway. Mm-hmm. And that was all Nacho Vigalondo, the writer director. This is like, you know, brilliant Spanish, you know, writer director who is an actor himself who does all these great short films. And when I read it, I read the script. I was just like, every seven pages was something different. I was just like, yeah, this is great. nuts. Who is this guy? You know? <laughs> and then I watched the short films. I go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like, and, and he's fantastic in it and had the movie you know, been done in Spain or, or a smaller budget or, or something like that. And he didn't sign on to it. Mm-hmm. He would have played the part that I played for sure. And he would have crushed it. And so you, at the end of the day, same thing with Lasso, same thing with like playing on a sports team, same thing, putting together a puzzle with your kids. You just want to like serve the piece, serve the piece. And so like yeah. there, I wasn't concerned about wanting to play against the likability thing because I was aware of that being out there. And I had done a handful of rom-coms like Tumble Down with Rebecca mm-hmm. Hall and, and Sleeping with Other People with Alison Brie and all these badass women. And so... I don't think I'd done Kodachrome at that point, no. But but I think that was Nacho being very clever and wanting to, yeah. like, you know, play against that. And so I, you know, happily leaned into that with him, too. And I've always enjoyed hanging out with Anne. I think she's just a tremendous artist and, and just human human being. Like, I've, she was always a good luck charm of sorts for me whenever she hosted Saturday Night Live. Always got pieces on and always had fun things to write for her because she just reminded me so much of you know, women I would have been friends with and probably had crushes on if they weren't dating older, cooler guys. You know, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so many of the, the gals that, like, my sisters, you know, would dance and do theater with, she, she just has, like, that, that verve about her that was so fun to play against because she was in her own movie, you know, almost, you know, dealing with, like, yeah. themes of alcoholism and, and, you know, and I was dealing with, like, this, you know, men's right activist, activist stuff, the stuff that became, you know, that we, yeah. you know, was then... Soon after that, widely became defined as toxic masculinity. Yeah. It's like, well, it's kind of, we were right in the thick of that. Okay, last question on acting. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm the same in this, not just... I don't know if I give any, any answers on the acting. Well, I, I genuinely you, don't know what I Yeah, feel. I don't. It's like, no. you know it, what I mean? So, for example... Just listening. And the reason why people don't yeah, see it is because we don't edit things that way. We yeah. don't, we don't, like, on stage, you see the person listening all the time. I couldn't take my eyes off them. In, in, in movies and television, you have to because the director goes, eh, put it over here. I'll put it over yeah. here. And, and it's quiet for a second. Quick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, some more than others, but yeah. Okay. Genuine acting question. And I, you may not know the answer. For example, we do, we're at uh, Wembley mm-hmm. and the Man City episode. Yeah. And we're filming all day. And at the end of the day, we have to film your phone call to Dr. Sharon. Yeah to say about your dad and you're crying and it's yeah, yeah. a very powerful scene. But that has come at the end of a big day of stuff happening where you've been show running and, and 
So it's not like you've spent the day yeah, quietly preparing, preparing yeah. for this yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we were actually like pushed for time. So we, I yeah. think it was two takes. Maybe, yeah. So I, know, a, I would get that, that would become pretty common, but that was also my yeah. doing because I you didn't want to obsess about it. I didn't want to obsess. Well, also, you know, especially any of the speeches I had to give, I usually was learning as as, as, <laughs> yeah. as I was saying them and writing and sometimes writing them too, you know, or just yeah. work polishing, you know. Like, but yeah, sorry. But so writing, yeah. for a moment like that, which is, I would argue, unusually demanding, you're having mm-hmm. to cry and do the, it's a big emotional thing, but you've had no daytime to prep for it. I'm mm-hmm. sure you've thought about it, et cetera. Do you know what you're doing, as in walking to, the car park to film that is there something you're doing to switch that on or is mm. it instinct you just do it like do you know let me see if i remember like yeah because it, it was and we and we did it we did it all in one and yeah. it also we also had to nail it because brendan was walking up because that's what linked into episode nine and we, yeah. and we had to have that blocking exactly figured out which is very unusual for us to have something <laughs> <laughs> outside of a prop but like to actually physically block something that we knew was going to work and the um, sun was going down, like it was. It was like you know. We but we did this. have it. We did because I knew. I knew how the how nine how we would show the same moment. You know, yeah. uh, in in nine's reality of following Beard versus staying with Ted. You know, I mean, sometimes you listen to a song or something like just to kind of ooh like ground you. But then also, just on the other side of everything going well is also everything going to shit. And so mm. I, I think so, I think I also find myself. Like, I mean, that's, that's mostly a confession scene, you know, where like he's, he's saying this thing out loud that, he, that is, that maybe I was just, maybe I just, maybe I just thought as corny as it, that you're just doing make-believe that I'm just literally thinking about what if, what if my own father right. would have made that, made that decision, how many things I would have been deprived, mm-hmm. you know, you know, loving my father as I do and, and knowing how much he loves and, and others love him. I think, I think it was probably just like, oof, and how sad that would feel. But you do that in a very short space of time. Yeah, like, yeah, just sort of, yeah, find, yeah just kind of like sit there. And, you know, that's one of the lovely things about having someone like Chip, you know, like who yeah, I've yeah. worked with time and time again. You know, I've known Chip about six months longer than I've known Otis, you know. So it's like, <laughs> you know, so, but I try not to be very indulgent in those moments, you know, yeah. like you just, but I also, an indulgent meaning I don't want to like, run around I, although you go back to colossal i do think i was like i was st- standoffish like like there there's a certain when you play a certain way or, or being asked you, you it can't help but sort of enter your spine it's like it's, it goes back to that old you know thing of answer the phone with a smile you know like for for sales it's like you, you trick your brain into into these states of mind and if you and so like colossal i, I feel like I, like especially in the back two-thirds of the movie it was probably like you know quiet on set yeah, you're just in that all all day. So I try not to do that, especially with all the different hats I had to wear yeah. at Ted Lasso, and even just the tone of the show. Like, we, I mean, we joke about it all the time where something silly, like you know, what the hell is this yeah, show? Yeah. You know, like it's just so this is ridiculous. But yeah, that one, I, I think I, I just yeah, you just try to do it on the on the walk up to the thing. It's also easier sometimes if you're by yourself too, like in scenes because you already feel so isolated. And and I have yeah, to yeah. I have to like wipe the tears away before you know Beard comes walking up to him, sort of like put it away. Not that he knows a little something, but he mm-hmm. doesn't know exactly what, right? But he's in his own head, so like he doesn't quite notice. He's he's too pissed. It, like pissed off, not pissed as the way you folks say it. <laughs> uh, but he's getting there. But I like, I think it's just like a little, little bit of make-believe, a little bit of isolation, a little bit of music. Do you remember this song? No. Maybe the dance by Garth Brooks. The first the first verse is pretty nice. Like looking back at the times we had. Need the stars above. For a moment, well, you know, maybe that, that one always, that one always yes. is lovely because it feels like a little bit, yeah, because I feel like there's a great deal of regret there, but also this like profound release and he just is like, fuck it, 
like I just watched real pain. Like I've always been into that. Like, you know, like I just watched, you know, this whole Jamie mm. thing with his father, you know, yeah. and Roy hugging Jamie. It's just like, and I, and I was, I couldn't, I couldn't move. Mm. I could only run away, you know, like I feel like my dad did. And so now I got to show up at the gates of heaven. And the only person there is Dr. Sharon. I'm going to like <laughs> dump it all out and say, please let me go back. Let me go back. I want to go back. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, oh, but here's beard. You know, it's like, you know, all that kind of shit could probably make me cry now if I were to think about it. That was the day. That was the day we, we did I can't remember what we did in the morning, but something really, really silly. Yeah, probably all that stuff out in the pitch, right? Yeah, like where we're like, you know, like close your ears and open your eyes. Yeah, like yeah, yeah exactly. That. Yeah, Queen. Then, the, all the the stuff about the pitch. This pitch is small. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, all that banter stuff that we would do all the time. And then suddenly we we everyone's crying with yeah. Jamie's dad, and then you went, "What is this?" Show? <laughs> yeah, we had different folks like in the cast and the crew that were that, that, yeah, that were yeah. really you know had were emotionally reactive to. Huge emotional reactions to to that scene as it and and mm. of course you know Mr. Tart coming in Aaron coming in just like crushing it and just being right. like a prize fighter just just separate himself just and around the other side and just like Ooh, spry. Oh, so good man <laughs> so good fucking and you and Phil give me a break give me a break <laughs> okay there's something I've forgotten to tell you <laughs> which I should have told you oh god do you know what of all the people I'm telling this to yeah and I always forget it's mad. But like, I'm kind of, often I'm telling people this, they're in the middle of something, I feel terrible. You know what I mean? I feel like if you're going to go, at least, I mean, mm. I think it's never a good time. Yeah. I just got to say it. You, you've died. You're dead. Dead. Boy, oh boy. You're dead. It's not where I thought that was going. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I guess that's how it usually happens, right? Well, I mean, uh, well, it depends. Now. How did you die? Assassinated. Nice. Assassinated. Quality. Over a misunderstanding. Oh, wow. Which is the worst way to go. <laughs> you were mistaken for someone else? Or no, no. The they misunderstood was... what, I was, what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> but it was assassinated, which I think has a sociopolitical like, overtones to it. It sounds important. Like, you're right. It if sounds you're killed, more important. you're killed. But if you're assassinated, you're important. I guess. But, but like, so I, I should have maybe looked up what the definition, actual, what makes assassination assassination. Like, not all squares are rectangles, but yeah, all rectangles yeah. are squares. Is that, you know, I think you're person. very important if you're assassinated. And it probably, it has world consequences. Okay. If you kill someone, it's probably a crime of passion, but if you assassinate someone, it's like... Okay, then maybe it was a misunderstanding of who I was then. I thought it was maybe over something I said, and like, that it became a political, like, mantra for a group, and then, right. then I became the focus of it, and they, you know, they, they, they took me out. But maybe people had me confused, like, from the back, they saw, like, a sweet lefty jump shot, and they're like, kill him. So... You was playing basketball. If if, if we're gonna go with that scenario, yeah, absolutely, okay. yeah. And I, but I, and I think it was probably like outdoors. Yeah, and it was probably a sniper. I just wanted to be assassinated. I wanted to be me. I wanted yeah. to be misunderstood. Something I said, and like. So you don't even know why you like. like I maybe, I'm, for years. Maybe were, some of this Ted Lasso swag got in the wrong hands. <laughs> and my picture on a poster that said "believe," and maybe people used it to believe the wrong thing, and so they came after me. <laughs> <laughs> this. It's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. Yeah. You know? How many how many times have you have you ever had to buy your own episode of your podcast back to get the rights of the idea so that you could This is how you own your own catalog. This is, you're not gonna get swifted. You're not, you're, not, you're not gonna have that happen. You, you know, you're gonna I buy them back and then have to re record them and yeah. I do the other person's voice. <laughs> <laughs> Crack the code, you, you know. 
you know, you can take the boy out of London, but you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the street smarts all the way through, even if those are cobblestone streets. You know? Do you do you worry about death, Jason? I do now with kids. Yeah. I mean, my own death, not theirs. I mean, yeah. to a certain, less so now. I mean, the first couple of years with, when you have kids, it's, your real job is just to keep them alive. It's yeah. not, it's, but a little more now. In a, in a, in a troubling way? No, no. No, just, just little moments here and there with like, oh God, what if, you know? But I, it's not like I haven't given, you know, Otis the, you know, or Daisy the passcode to my phone yet. It's not, no, I'm not that worried about it. Okay. I think that's when, she, when she, that's when you, when you're really worried, when you give up your, you know, your iCloud password, then, then people are like, yeah. My mom just sent me her iCloud, like some link. It's like that's like if I if I pass away, this is linked to all my my digital files. I forget the name of it. Have you done your um, Google death plan? No, Mm-mm. no. Like no. What happens to your email if you die? Mm. Mine will. If I die, yeah, it will it will ex- explode. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> like physically. Like actually, like <laughs> Mission Impossible. Any, anybody that has your email, their computer will explode. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's will explode. Just like yeah. a little, like, yeah. oh, shit, it's a bread diet. An aneurysm, a phone aneurysm. <laughs> like, we're just like, oh, my screen just went blank. Oh, my God. Red must be dead. <laughs> I knew this would happen. I hope he wasn't mistaken for someone else in a basketball. But no, I, have, I, haven't done, I, haven't, I haven't done that. I haven't prepared for my death. Do you have a will? I don't right now. No. We are supposed to, and we didn't get to it. Yeah. I've got one. Yeah? It's, it's, um, I've been very specific about my uh, film posters. Yeah. Individually given one to each person, and the rest. Golly, it seems like it would have gone on that bandwagon though, right after Knives Out came out, right? And that's when everybody started. Oh, I gotta get a, do a will, right? Yeah, yeah. Like Knives Out, right? Wasn't that all about a will being read or something? something like that. Yeah. Tell um, me this: What do you think happens when you die? Oh, golly, what does happen? I imagine it's a quick combination of very dark and then very bright. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it seems like there's going to be either strings or woodwinds. Okay. Yeah. Mixture. I mean, probably right. I just don't. I don't have the brain to hold all that. That's why. That's why I'd call someone up and be like, "Hey, what does it sound like when you die?" And then you go, "Oh, something like this." And be like, "Yeah, that's it." And just do it at their keyboard and like <laughs> Starts with strings. type of magician. I don't know. I don't know if it does. I mean, it's probably different for everybody. I feel like mine would start like what's the sound of that crank that that the monkeys the monkeys play. <laughs> <laughs> when a monkey cranks a box, but it's before it even the music even starts. It's like okay. it's like oh, oh we're doing this again, something like that. Yeah, maybe like that. Yeah, you know, or falling over into an abyss. Who knows? Yeah, I'm I'm up for the ride, whatever it is. So a bit like Sebastian in Kiss the Girls, as I just saw the guys. Wins. Oh, maybe. Is that from the... Is the this is, oh, okay. This is from okay. the, the animated version. Yeah, I haven't See, seen I've, the new one. I've seen the new one. How is it? It's fun. Yeah. It's good. I mean, it was great. Uh, Daisy was like a dramaturg next to me telling me how it was different from the animated. <laughs> she, she actually... He actually saves her at this point. I was like, oh, it makes sense why they changed this. She goes, yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> She's sitting there with her little pen light, legs crossed. <laughs> little dickhead. What's she doing? Shake it Just enjoy head. the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was in it. It was great. Yeah. Well, so you think there's an afterlife? I think there's. I think there is something else. It is true. I, I like between the the times that I've done mushrooms and having done enough improvisation or found myself in quote unquote the zone, which I you know happens. You know, it's not like a, a an all the time thing for me. It, it, but when it happens, I notice it. And then even with elements of it that have been you know 
photographed and broadcast, like on our show specifically, I know that that it's like, oh no, that was that 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 was something. It feels like there's something else out there. I'll at least give that, yeah. But it feel it doesn't feel like this is all just for this. I don't think. And even to live like this is all there is, like nihilistic. I guess is maybe what people say that there might be squandering. You know, your shot at a legacy, and a legacy doesn't have to necessarily mean that there's statues built about you, or, or 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 even that you were assassinated. I think it might just be you can think think globally, act locally for your legacy. <laughs> you know, like keep it keep it in the family, keep it in the house, keep it within yourself, keep it as the example you you led. Maybe okay. that that vibrates, you know, beyond you, butterfly effect style. You okay. know, what I mean? so it sounds like a nice thing that's that. Sounded like a horrible thing to start with. Keep it in the family, keep it in the house. Yeah, yeah, talk about yeah. It. yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I don't think everybody uh, has to aspire for a, a world-renowned legacy in order yeah. for them to have a legacy. So. Well, I've got, I got news for you. Mm-hmm. You're right on a lot of this. Perfect. Uh, there is a heaven. Great. And it's filled with your favorite thing. What's your favorite thing? Like Taco Bell. It's a taco. It's a giant yeah, taco. Yeah. Bell. <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant taco yeah. bell. Everything is taco based. The seats are sort of okay. I mean, maybe I should change my answer then. <laughs> no, you made it. You're sat in giant tacos, very salty on your skin. But you don't mind it. No, and uh, everything's taco. Great, and they're very excited to see you. The taco people. Mm. They walk around with black beans as eyes, oh. and uh, they waddle like this. This, and, is, uh, this is again. It's kind of a nightmare. This is more of a nightmare. I think I, uh, I, I would have said people. Very, no, you're with tag guys forever. <laughs> they're very excited to see you. And uh, you guys are just hungry. Oh lord! And they want to talk to you about your life. But they want to talk to you about your life through the medium of film. Oh, it's nice. The first thing they ask you is, "What's the first film you remember seeing, Jason?" Now, look, you send this questionnaire, mm-hmm. you know, right? And, and just to let people have a peek behind the curtain. And at the end of that, that questionnaire, you you say, don't don't you dare say these fucking movies because everybody says it. For the record, yeah. it's been a while since people have said those movies on that list. So that list is becoming, you can say these movies. That's great. If I have true. to say this movie because it's, it's, yeah. it's, it, it is literally the first one I remember, but it was Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins in the theaters. Now, we obviously didn't see it when it came out because it came out like in the 60s, right? Yeah. But it, we were in Chicago and, you know, there were the Sudeikis and then the older cousins uh, around our age were the Muldoons. Aaron is the oldest girl, then Ke- then me, then Kelly, then my sister Kristen, then Ryan, and then Lindsay. Like, those are our two families combined, right. you know, as far, but in the, in the, in the process, it's like, it's like, my Aunt Marty had a kid. Kathy had a kid. Maybe there's some sibling rivalry there that I didn't know. But they went boom, 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 boom for, for a while. And I remember being at my Nana's house. That's the, the yes and family. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and we went to, remember um, Marty saying, um, hey, do you guys want to go see Mary Poppins? And all three of them were like, yeah! And me, and I didn't like not knowing what the, what is, what is what is this Mary Poppins? It's like, oh, it's a movie. It's a great movie. And like, okay, great. We go see it. And yeah, knocked my socks off. How old are you in this story? I mean, I must have been five. Like maybe maybe Lindsay wasn't even old enough. Maybe it was just me, Aaron, Kristen, and and Kelly, because I don't think Ryan and Lindsay would have been old enough at this point. Because I know I remember having like an ET birthday party, so like that I would have seen. And like I saw Return of the Jedi in the theater, so that's all in yeah. my early eighties. So this had to be like maybe like seventy nine or even eighty. Wow. I mean, I guess it could be up to when did Jedi come out? Eighty three, like eighty two for ET. So this had to be like yeah, probably five or six. Would be my guess, and we went to we went to go see it and to see it on the big screen, and then knew all the songs, learned all the songs, bought the album. Like same way I am with movies now, if, if I yeah. respond to them, or at least 
you know, have been throughout my life. But yeah. Mary Poppins is fucking phenomenal. I yeah. find it quite devastating. And having watched it again recently, mm -hmm. it does make me sad that at the end, the dad, Mr. Banks, he quits his job mm -hmm. to live life and yeah. be with his children. And within 12 hours, mm -hmm. as the film is ending, mm -hmm. Someone from the bank says, it was amazing what you did. Have a promotion. And he's sucked straight back into the machine. Yeah, but with a different with a different point of view. He's probably going to, he's going to leave at, five, at 459. 100%. He's got more responsibility. He's going to be. 100%. Now he's got two executive assistants. You think I'm you know, like, oh, oh especially back then. He's working late. Oh my gosh. Now. He has two far more talented, capable women looking after him <laughs> at his job. Okay. Yeah, before Joan okay, and Peggy even existed in the minds of, you know, men. These are women that weren't even allowed to vote. So, like, yeah. So, they were suffraging. They were suffragettes at the bank on his behalf to make sure he's okay, that he can get out. Now, they're still staying until 9 or 10. Those we're not women, following their story. I'm invested no. in. No, I mean, that's, you know. That's no Talk to Miss Travers about that. That's, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the spin-off. I'm very happy to watch that. Yeah, it's absolutely. Story. It's got to be cooking but again. I'm worried about Jamie this Michael. podcast. Right. Hello? <laughs> Hello, Bob Iger. We've <laughs> this would be the that'll actually happen. Are we allowed to even talk about these ideas since we're on strike? I yeah, think we, we can, can talk, talk as long as I write them down. Great. Don't Perfect. make any notes. No, no. What is the film that scared you the most? Do you like being scared? I do all right. I, I prefer the comedy version of, of fear, right. like the surprise there. But um I don't know if I do like being I don't think I do actually. You don't like extreme stuff. Do you? I don't like physicals. Like, you know, like 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 the stuff you've been doing recently. Like yeah, jumping you out don't want to do stuff. jumping out. I don't know, no, and not because yeah. I'm afraid of dying. I think I'm just like. I mean, I guess it probably is ultimately, but like it just feels like eh, I don't, I don't like. Yeah, you don't need. I, I don't. I don't want to be that that point one percent. You know, of something where where you know I. I I already can't smell. I don't, you know, I don't see <laughs> yeah. so great and hearing. I've you know gone to too many concerts. The you know like just down. The, <laughs> Keep touch. My taste. Touch, I, touch, touch. I want to keep touch. touch. I don't want to lose <laughs> my sense of touch. <laughs> you know, like totally all the other ones are shot. They're like operating at like seventy five percent at yeah. full capacity. They've atrophied like a, you know, like an iPhone battery. Um, planned touch. obsolescence. That's what I am as a human <laughs> being. <laughs> but but it's funny because you know I've recently was when we, were, when we were writing season three when we were here. So that been twenty twenty one. Um, was it 2021 when we were writing? And then we filmed it all during 2022, yeah. Jesus now it's 2023. Christ. I know, I know. That's what I mean. It keeps cooking. I downloaded the 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 Village, the Resident Evil game. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. Uh, I'll play it like on, on Halloween. It lasted five minutes. I go, what am I doing? <laughs> this is horrible. Uh, I just downloaded a game for the PS5 called The Quarry. Do you know about this game? Yeah. I, I, I recommend it to you because I okay. think we're, we can all get in there. And it's basically like a early 2000s like horror movie. Oh, great. Uh, but you make choices, like almost like a choose-your-own-adventure thing. But it looks fantastic. Otis and I played in the broad daylight, you know, like like 1 o'clock in the afternoon, just the first, you know, beginning part. You know, a guy and a gal who are on their way up to this camp where they're going to be counselors for the, you know, the summer. Ah, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil anything for you. But they get murdered. Oh. No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's open-ended. You know, and then it goes to credits, and you're just like, this is great. But it was frightening. And Otis and I were both like, great. and I was just like, make sure you lean on me so I know you're here. Okay, you lean on me. And we're just like, you know, sitting there while, you know, Daisy's in the pool, and he's splish-splashing around with my sisters. But yeah, so I also remember going to haunted houses as a kid, like in high school. Did they have those over there? But you guys, I mean, Jack the Ripper, it seems like they probably do more yeah, now. Yeah, we, we've got, yeah, we had in the London Dungeon, you had this. Right. 
scary bit. We had like, you know, legit haunted houses that'd be open, that'd be seasonal, only open around Halloween yeah. time. And we had a great area called like, the, what was it called? The West Bottoms or something like that, where all these different haunted houses would be set up at this warehouse district in Kansas City. And one was called the Edge of Hell, you know, and they'd have slides in them and stuff like that. Or, you know, you know people chasing you with chainsaws without the chains on them and all that, and the noise. And I would go through them because everybody would go through them, but I would mm. usually just bury my head in the person in front of me and just, clo- <laughs> and just close my eyes. And I realized if you close your eyes, it's not as scary. And the thing that removes all fear, and Otis was like, let's play it again. Let's keep playing it, but let's turn the sound off. Yeah, if you turn the sound off, it's like la-di-da, la-di-da. So, you know, but the headphones weren't a thing, as much of a thing now. You know, and I wouldn't have thought of earplugs because I want to be able to hear someone say, watch out, going through those haunted houses. But yeah. But the movie I picked, yes. you know, at two different points in my life, <laughs> well, the one I wrote is The Exorcist. I mean, I know it's classic, right. but, it, but there's something about that journey of normal life into some, mm-hmm. something happened and that it wasn't, it was supernatural, but it wasn't like Freddy or it wasn't Jason. It was like this little girl and it was happening in here. And it also dealt with like, you know, good and evil and priests and people that I was familiar with at my, at my church and at, um, you know, we grew up at a Catholic, you know, going to a Catholic church and then went to Catholic school for a few years. And so all that iconography turned on its on its head, if you will, or upside down more often. Yeah, really, really got me. And I loved the book too. I remember, you know, I haven't read a ton and ton of books in my life, but like that was one that like just like really, really got me too. That was one. It's really scary, The Exorcist. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's I, and I know it's almost cliche, but that's, it's that good. And to have so many derivative, you know, films mm. come out of it, sequels, yes, but also things set in that world and realm, like, yeah. You know, those, you know those it's got, that I, uh, something, it's a film, maybe we'll come back to it when you mm-hmm. hopefully mention the film that you said you might mention. Mm. But what, what The Exorcist For this has, specific film? Yeah, what The Exorcist has, which I think I'm becoming more and more obsessed with is, it's got such atmosphere. Yeah. It has atmosphere in a way that not all films has. And yeah. It's something to do with sound and mm-hmm. it's a lot of what Spielberg used to do in like his 70s films, like he does in E.T. and he does in Just like Mist. Yeah, where, well, but where it's like sound, but also I think there's a sense of improv with the actors. Like everything feels pretty real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very grounded and full. Yeah. The whole world feels, you know what I mean? Like, it just, yeah, it just felt very real atmosphere. and lived in. Like that, I think that was part of the reason yeah. that it scared me so much. And then when I started to like get into movies and figure out and read about things, it's like, oh, some of the stuff that William Friedkin pulled off during that, yeah. <laughs> during that thing sounded equally as frightening. Yeah. You know, like where I'm just like, wow, that's crazy. You know, there are things, oh, yeah, there are things you read where you go, you can't do that. No, you shouldn't have done it then. Why could <laughs> you do it then? Why could you fire a, a gun next to a yeah. little girl's head just to get a reaction? Like, you're sort of bragging about it now. It's I know. So <laughs> just tell it to scream. They really twisted that girl's little girl's neck all the way around. I know. It's they, they, rem- they put a Pushed little ball bearing. They got, they got rid of like one of her vertebrae, put in a ball bearing. Do you know this? I do. And they're still <laughs> bragging about it. <laughs> Uh, what was the movie? I, I'm so oh, curious. Sorry, go on. Um, so I'll, I'll always be curious about ones that I may have like because when you sit down with us versus yeah, yeah. us, you know, having these as we've had, we've almost done this podcast and conversation, you know, <laughs> yeah. throughout the, our, our you know last three years, knowing each other, working together so much. That would like I'd be curious what the other one is. If, if it doesn't up. come up, uh, unless okay. it's going to bother you for the whole, the rest of this time. Is just something searching for Bobby Fischer that I was afraid of. No, as atmosphere. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I love that movie, and I just rewatched that one. So yeah, it's such a great. I mean, it wonderful. just feels real. It's just like lived in and, and yet broad a, strokes. A, a kind of magical. It's, it's a bit Spielberg. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I would imagine. View and yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, I don't think I, I, I wrote it down, but I didn't, I don't think I, I slotted in any okay, questions then. yet. Well, yeah. 
Let's briefly talk about Search for Fisher, which I have love that seen. movie so much. It's so good that I've downloaded a number of chess apps on my phone. Right. <laughs> no, but Otis and I started playing again. Him and Daisy were taking classes, and and he's not he's not a prodigy, but he but he is he is he is good at it. And we had this amazing teacher in Brooklyn uh, who would come to the house and teach the, the 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 game as like a story, and 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 yeah, he remembers all of it. And so it's been. But the kids, you know, I watched that with Otis and Daisy. Daisy dipped out because she got really tired because we started too late. She missed the last half hour, but Otis was riveted by it. And, you know, I, I think it's so profound. And I think it had a tremendous influence unknowingly on our show. You know, all that father and son stuff and yeah. about being excellent. I mean, not necessarily so much of it. I think it's, I think there's so many interesting themes and such a badass cast of people we didn't know yet, you know. Yeah. But yeah, big ups. And stuff. isn't it like... Uh... I hate to say this, yeah. but I watched it. I only watched it yesterday, mm -hmm. and I was like, something like they don't make films like this anymore. Like I was in, there's something kind of classical storytelling about it. It's a bit, it's a bit magical in the way it's directed, like yeah, because of this child's eye view, and mm -hmm. but it also is so beautiful and emotional and grounded and. And, and I don't it's know. Not a big thing. You it's know. not. It would be a. It would be an independent movie here yeah. now, and you wouldn't be able to get like. But it feels. Epic and small. It's amazing. No, I mean, and was that Steve Zellian's first, Steve Zellian, the yeah. first one he directed? I believe so. God bless him. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's not uh, answering any of your questions. So, what is the film that made you cry the most? I mean, the, the recently it's been It's a Wonderful Life. I just yeah. think that the movie's, I think the movie's so perfect, you know, yeah. like, and people hated it when it first came out. It's one of those, like Wizard of Oz and, you know, like all those, you know, things. That, but that, I think that movie's so clever and, and, each each year I've watched it, especially since becoming a parent, yeah, it gets more and more profound and correct, you know, at the same mm -hmm. time. You know, another big one that came out, I remember watching it, and it may have been the time and place, but it still knocks me out as soul as well. Soul soul really levels me. Like that, like maybe that, that I remember timing of that, if that would have been, because there's a piece of music there that I called Epiphany that I listen to all the time. Yeah, came out Christmas Day. Yeah. Christmas Day 21? Uh, when did 20, we write season? 2020. 2020. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Yeah, COVID Christmas. Yeah, so I probably may have listened to that piece. But probably not because that, that piece, like, it makes me sad, hopeful sad versus what was probably needed for that scene in, that we were talking about earlier with, um, you know, calling Dr. Sharon. But that being said, those yeah, those two movies. And they're, I mean, in a weird way, very similar. Yeah. You know? Not in a weird way, probably intentional. <laughs> knowing the folks at Pixar, not knowing them, but knowing of them. I've watched the Epiphany in Seoul many times because it the scene makes me yeah feel it sort of reconnects me to the world of magic when I feel sad. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm really, I think it is. I mean, it's up there with the most profound scenes in all cinema. Absolutely, no. I mean, I, I and it's all just about leaves. I know, right? just little helicopter, little helicopter seeds. That's it. You know, through the good fortune of working like with. Talented music folks. They say musicians, but I think music folks sounds yeah. sounds like I know them more. Uh, but like with Tom Howe, you know, yeah. who does you know Amazing. our score, and and Hannah Wanium, you know, asking asking great. why certain notes evoke these. Like, why does this make me cry? Yeah, you know, the story of tonight. I remember we, Hannah and I took you know her daughter and, and Otis and Days to go see Hamilton, and I was like that that moment. I mean, dear Theodosia, easy peasy. I get yeah. why that makes me cry. Like that's you know like. Made me cry, you know, like before, you know, I even understood. But the story of tonight, like, gets me every time. And and she's like, and Hannah, like, I like the way she describes. She's like, it's just there's they just they're crunchy notes. There's crunchy <laughs> notes, and I feel like there's there's moments of that in Epiphany. But there's also the structure of it because that's what with Tom that I was asking. I go, why 
they dangle this and then it just like stops for a second. Mm. And then it like, then when it comes tumbling down, like into the, into the actual, what I would assume, you know, would be the epiphany. And I don't have it tied to the visual like yeah. you do. I'm only listening to the music and trying to like m make sense of, of that, you know, uh, not that either of us are wrong, but, <laughs> yeah, but, but, he, but he's just like, you know, and then he couldn't quite articulate it, but, it, but I think he, he thought I was trying to give a note for like the score on the no, show. Man. And I wasn't, I was just yeah, talking yeah, to him about it. He goes, do you want me to get you in touch with that? I go, no, 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 you're, not, you know, you're fantastic. I love what you do. I'm trying to ask you like, how, it's, it's the same thing that people that I, you know, I've been partners with that when not having a sense of smell, well, they'll try to describe to me what something smells like, you know, through words, you know, like I, you've Daisy never, does had that. Sense never had a sense never, of smell. Right. Yeah. Not that I remember. No. Yeah. But Daisy does that now. Like she'll try to describe what something yeah. smells like to me. You know, you know the, the fellow that walked uh, uh, me in today. He's like, oh, the lobby has a very floral smell. And I was like, ah. and I, I, do I want to get into this now? <laughs> I have no sense of smell. What is, what like, is I don't want to burden him with, with with that because I don't know. I don't know much about him. Do you think a lot having watched, too much? Yes, I know. Yeah. Having watched Donald Duck in Mathematic <laughs> yeah, Mathematic yeah. Land. Absolutely. I'm only thinking this now. Yeah, because I do believe we have within, within us storytelling structure. Yeah. Natural. Agreed. Yeah. That's the hero's and myth and all that. Yeah. Hero's the, journey. It's in there. More now than ever. Why these things are satisfied, why we like stories, why yeah. we need them. Mm -hmm. And that isn't music kind of the same thing in terms of what, what it does a thing and you're, you don't quite get it, but when it resolves it. Yeah. I think so. That's why. I mean, it's just two guys that don't really know what they're talking we don't about. Know mass like, yeah, music we don't, or stories, <laughs> but... <laughs> Great. And people listen to this. You'll chop this up. Yeah. You'll, 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 you'll put in some, some, some slide whistles. Three things. Great. People yeah. be like, wow. Obama. <laughs> <laughs> I, absolutely. I mean, it's all in there. I think that's why the, I, I truly believe there's genius in all of us. It just has to be nurtured yeah. and has to be calibrated and has to be curated. Like, like, and it's the heartbreaking thing about growing up and is that sometimes you don't find that groove, you know, or, not, or you don't have the opportunity to find that groove, which is, you know, or, or, or someone removes that opportunity from, from you. Like, but yeah, I think it's all connected. I think, you know, nature, music, stories, you know, the circle of life. Absolutely. And I think it is satisfying because, and, and, and it also feels like, um, it can, it can feel the opposite of that. It can feel unsatisfying if it, if it, but maybe it's supposed to feel yes. that way. Like we've, we've messed with stories so much. I just, I, I remember feeling like it's it being so um, liberating, like the notion of Joseph Campbell's like hero's journey and him dissecting, you know, thousands of years of stories into like these like signposts and people could be like, oh, it's so cynical. But I, I, I never saw it that way. I never saw Sid Field's like story structure, like as being cynical or like, uh, um, you know, 30 pages, 60 pages, yeah. 30 pages. I, I was just like, no, no, that's just, it's, no one's inventing a new piano. Yeah. Like it's yeah, the yeah. same piano that, you know, your man, Billy Joel's playing, my, my, my man, Ben Folds, the same one Amadeus was playing. Too many yeah. notes. He used too many notes. Yeah, though. he would. Yeah, so he would. <laughs> that's what you get, a little smart ass <laughs> little kid, you know, dicking around, magic flute. Like, come on, man. What's wrong with the regular flute? A flute can be magic unto itself. It doesn't have to be a magic flute. Anyway, don't get me going. But but like I, I I think that's so neat, you know, that you don't have to reinvent the wheel so much as make the wheel personal to you. You know, it also it's always satisfying when it's done. Searching for Bobby Mitchell, yeah. the, the yeah. beginning is like ignore the call. You know, yeah. it does all the things. Oh, it does it all. Yeah, they're and all there. Yeah, wonderful. And it's what. Yeah, and it's and and it's but but it is about putting those personal. Slotting those, slotting those yeah. things in there. And that's obviously, you know, certainly about Fisher, true story. Joshua Waitskin and his father is a sports writer. Like, mm -hmm. the father wrote the book. And then Steve Zalian, who is capable of creating story or finding story within a scenario. Like, yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. I mean, yeah, I mean, Rocky 
first Rocky ends almost the exact same way as, you know, right after the fight, just like Karate Kid, John Avilton. Yeah. It's like, fantastic. I don't need any more. Yeah. I don't, I don't need to see what happens in the parking lot, you know? Like, <laughs> ah, he won. Johnny gave him the trophy. Congrats, man. Are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> Apollo Creed being like, good job. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, just a little compliment from your nemesis. Yeah. You know, who knows? Interesting. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right. They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. Yeah. All right. What's the film that you love? Yeah. It's not critically acclaimed. Most people don't like it, yeah. but you love it forever. Do you know my answer to that? No, I don't. You don't? No. I thought maybe you would have. Because I feel like I talked about it. I, talk, I bring it up a lot. And I, and I had to go back and look. Not recently, but I did a Oh, is it Eyes Wide Shut? It's not eyes wide oh, right. shut. No, but but um, it, it's from the hip. Oh shit! From the hip, yeah. With John Nelson, you know, written by, directed by, I forget the fellow that directed. Same guy that directed Christmas Story, you oh, know, yeah. which which is a, uh, a movie that I love as well. I mean, yeah, my 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 go to Christmas holiday trilogy is It's a Wonderful Life, Christmas Story, and Elf. Like boom, nice, satisfied. Everything's everything's in the clear after that. Everything's gravy, but. I loved it. It was written by David E. Kelly, you know, before, okay. before he had, at least as far as I know, before he had, you know, mm-hmm. created, you know, all these incredible, you know, long running television shows. And it's just, I just love it. I remember seeing it. I have visions of seeing it in the theater, but maybe I just watched it a ton of times. You know, I, I was lucky. My, my folks had HBO growing up, so I got okay. to watch all these movies like over and over and over, you know. And that one I just loved. He's, you know, a really competent, confident lawyer, a young, young legal brain who wants to do trial law, but isn't allowed to because of the bureaucracy, but then finagles a way into it, who then creates a case and it gets, you know, press and all that. And and yet there's some, you know, it, like there's so many good plots in it. There's so many good twists throughout. And John Hurt plays this, you know, guy who I, metaphorically, I could say it was almost like a Robert Durst type character who was like, you know, brilliant, 
but, but more loquacious, more erudite than Robert Durst, from what I remember from the documentary. And he brings him on because this guy wanted, you know, he won this other case, this civil case, about this guy punching this other guy, and he doesn't know the machinations that led to him winning that case, but this guy wants to defend him, and, and he finds out, you know, that this guy might actually have murdered this this woman. And so now he's in this, you know, the scruples and the and the oath that he took of who do I serve, the law or, or my client. And, yeah, I just remember as a kid just loving it, and I've rewatched it, and I still love it. I still love it unabashedly. Right. And it's like, you know, like, 3.7 on IMDb or something like, you know, like people are like, no, no interest. But I, I think, I think it's fucking great. Excellent. Answers yeah. never come up. And I love that it's, it has a connection to one that I do a hundred percent feel the same way with you. Uh, Grease too, because David E. Kelly, Michelle Pfeiffer wed in wedded bliss for many moons now. What a couple. How about that? Right. What a couple. What a couple. Good Michelle Lord. Pfeiffer and David E. Kelly, one of the great. Bingo, bango. And maybe, um, I imagine from the, the great movie stars, one of the great TV writers. Yeah, yeah, that's it's what you want. Kissing. Yeah, <laughs> just kissing. Yeah, just kissing for the rest of their lives. And we don't know anything Wonderful. about their kids. We don't know anything about, you know, like. All we just... know is they're kissing. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Maybe they, maybe they haven't made kids. Can you make kids from kissing? They've made lots of kids from kissing. Yeah. <laughs> that's how kids are made, right? Yeah. Deep, meaningful kissing. Yeah, they're Love kissing. It. Imagine getting to kiss yourself over the rest of your life. Yeah, and be one of the greatest TV writers, and have written from the hip. Yeah, and and being that prolific, like good on him. But yeah, when I saw Grease too, I was like, that's another one that I do love genuinely, and that's be hundred percent because watching it over and over on cable yeah. with my sisters, it's knew every song, it's blows crazy. the first one out of the water. I don't. You you've, co- you've covered this a hundred times, times, but you can cover it a bit because yeah. I'm sure there'll be people listening who've not listened. Grease two is phenomenal. It's great. Okay, what is the film? You used to love. You loved it very much. But you've watched it recently and you do not like it anymore. And it might be the film. Film is fine, but you've changed. Like, mm-hmm. what's that film? Golden Child. Wow. Yeah. Talk to me. Please. So it was Eddie Murphy uh, coming off the sweet, sweet high of at least Beverly Hills Cop, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, in my top five or ten, depending on, you know, my moods, I guess, or what someone's asked me to list. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, The Golden Child, it, it just, I loved it growing up because I loved and still love Eddie Murphy. Like, I just thought he was just the funniest, coolest guy. And he, he, he was kind of this archetype in a, a lot of movies back then were, and to a certain degree, like maybe even, you know, Ted Lasso is, is rooted in this a little bit where they don't change much, you know, like everything changes around them. Like Beverly Hills Cop is the example I give. Like, like Axel Foley doesn't really change much from, mm. from minute one to minute, you know, what, 100 or whatever. He changes the entire Beverly Hills Police, Defor- <laughs> police Department. He reforms you know, the police yeah, department. Yeah, exactly, yeah. you know. But Ferris Bueller kind of feels like that. Like, Bugs yeah. Bunny's kind of like, they always felt like that kind of, like, impish. And, and they all had that same fun move of, like, shape-shifting to do, get get in into a door, get into a yeah. club, into a, you know, rat, you know, a hunting club or whatever, you know. Like. <laughs> and yet when I rewatched it, and it's been a few years since I rewatched it, I didn't love it in the same way that I love Beverly Hills Cop. Like, it, the, the story for me is just kind of, like, a little nuts. And if I were to distill it, it's nothing, you know, it, it's no single you know, person's fault or you know, something like mm-hmm. that. It's It almost ties back to why I love Ace Ventura 1, but I didn't love Ace Ventura 2, which was like, I understood the the rules of society that, that Ace Ventura was violating, you know, in 1. In 2, when you put him in like a tribe that I don't know, I, I can understand the rules, but it's not, doesn't have the same wish fulfillment. You yeah. know, him coming out of a bathroom and being drenched around a bunch of people in tuxedos and saying, don't, do not go in there is hilarious to me. Him, you know, coming out of a hippopotamus's butt or something like that. I was kind of like, I was like, I see what they're going for, but it's not as silly. It's, it's more silly to me than, than, than yeah. funny. 
you know, and I don't know, silly makes me laugh as much as funny. But yeah, it, it, it's Golden Child feels like a little, little nuts. And yet there's still lines that I absolutely like love and moments I love. They're just tied together very, very loosely that I did not care about one way or the other. Doesn't mean I wouldn't watch it again, but I used to have that poster up in my room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like there are video stores in, in yeah. my town. Like you, you could, there'd be a poster up when the thing was coming out and they'd put a little post-it note on the back. Hey, could I have that when you take it down? And they, you know, rotate them every two weeks. So yeah, I had lots of movie posters. I had Friday the 13th, you know, number six, which was Jason Lives on a big, you know, I was like, oh, I got to have that. My name is Jason. You know, I'd never seen the movie. I never watched any of them, but I was just like, yeah, you know, it says my name. But Golden Child was, was, was one of those posters I had. And Golden Child's a weird, like, let's sort of make Beverly Hills Cop and Indiana Jones. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, it yeah. makes sense from a yeah, yeah. business perspective. It just it just wasn't as because I think I watched it right after kind of reigniting my love and understanding of why I love Beverly Hills Cop. And so I was like, well, let me let me go back and watch this because yeah. Trading Places, badass. Yeah, you know, 48 hours. Great. But yeah, that one. I mean, I like Beverly Hills Cop, too, again, because I've watched it a ton of times on cable. And yet, yeah, yeah. The Golden Child doesn't doesn't, doesn't do it for me. anymore. Have you told Eddie Murphy that you love him? No, I mean, it was implied when I got to, I, I, I've only met him once at the Saturday Live 40th. Did you do it with your eyes? I did it with my hand and I shook, shook his really hand. Nice. And, I, and, I, and I said I said a very sincere thing to him and, and then made him laugh by making a joke because he was standing backstage with Chris Rock, who I'm friendly with. But I went up to him and I just said, I was dressed in like the red jumpsuit. Um, right. from what up with that? I can't remember. I think I had just done it. No, I think I was about to go up there and do it. But Bill Murray, this is literally how it happened. Bill Murray had just walked by me and said a nice thing about we're the Millers. Right. And I felt like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. oh my, oof. It was like, he was, he was complimenting about the movie. And I remember my friend Rebecca standing right next to me. Well, Bill said what he said. And I, and he, and I go, thank you. He goes, I'm being serious. I go, I fucking hope so. And then he, and then he laughs and he walks off. And I looked at Rebecca. I go, please remind me of all that because I'm going to forget that. Like, probably, <laughs> like, that was a lot. And she goes, I will. I go, that really happened. Yeah. Then I right. go around the corner and there's Chris and he's standing with Eddie Murphy. I went up to him. I go, I go, hey, Mr. Murphy. Uh, my name's Jason. Today, because I was, uh, you know, on the show for. He goes, I know you are. I go, I go. I just want to let you know, I'm so happy that you're here. This place wouldn't be here. Uh, you, you know, none of us, post your generation, would have got to do it. Like for everything that that you did when you were on the show and for the show. And and uh, yeah, it's just an honor to meet you. He goes, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And I go, and you are to Chris. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that made Eddie laugh. And then I just go, hey, Mark Landsman, we all have the same business manager. <laughs> then that was it. Then I got out of there like a blackjack that's, dealer. Just clap, clap, hands up, show both sides, and then really get out of there with a pocket full of chips without anybody noticing. Um, but yeah. That so was that's a good closest. five minutes of your life right there. It was great. It was, it was so <laughs> thrilling. It was so thrilling. And then I have a great picture that I took of Will Ferrell and Eddie talking to each other at good nights. And I was just like, there's two of my absolute favorite performers yeah. of all time, you know, like, and, and, uh, and here's me creeping. <laughs> I'm not in the photo. It's just me, just me taking one up. I don't want to screw that thing up. Hacks is back for season three. And so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators, Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. 
I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity, so I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree, or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right! They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre, and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia, and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. Hello, my neighbour Maureen. What's this I hear about you getting a promotion at the office? Didn't you just get promoted last month? It's all thanks to Canva. I've been nailing every meeting with AI-powered Canva presentations. Isn't that Canva's AI slide generator where you just describe your presentation in a few words and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds? That's right. And to top it off, I use Magic Write, Canva's AI text generator, to perfect my points. Sounds brilliant, Maureen. No more copying and pasting from other programs. No more app switching. Can Canva Docs with Magic Write generate any text you want for work? Yes. Sales proposals, marketing plans, yeah. Meeting agendas, ratings of all 12 Muppet movies using the extensive point system that I developed at age 12. Anyone can save time with Canva's AI-powered tools. Generate your draft fast with Canva Docs at canva.com, designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbor, Maureen. Yeah, thank you. What is the film that means the most to you? It might not necessarily be a good film, mm-hmm. but it will always be special for you because of the experience you had around seeing it. Well, it, literally, as I look at it here, I mean, I, hmm, I mean, I, there, there's several that come to mind. And it's funny because there's one right underneath it that makes me think of that too, and then there's one a little bit later that, that that I think of. Three come to mind, but the one that I chose, and here is Citizen Kane, and the experience behind it was, and I, I'm sure I talked about elements of this like in the writers' room, so I apologize for you know being redundant, but like it's okay, they won't have heard. That's true. I forget that. You forget that we're recording this at some point, um, but. <laughs> So senior year of high school, I, I failed first semester and second semester. Second semester, I had to go to summer school in order to graduate from, from high school. First semester, I had to go to night school all during second semester. Like, you know, like every, you know, Tuesday, every Tuesday night for, you know, three hours or something like that. And, what, and sorry, redo the to, things you've done in the first semester. Or to just, I mean, it's basically just punishment. Like, yeah. I mean, it, no, because it was completely different classwork. You know, it was almost like, you know, like the teacher was allowed to like freestyle. It was almost like having a substitute. You know, he's doing three hours. I, he probably had other classes yeah. he was doing, I assume. Um, I don't know if he was a teacher at another school or anything like that. But he was a young fellow. His name was Brett Zinger. And he knows this. He and I stay in touch now. And I've, he, he teaches journalism and, 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 and I'm sure still film. And it, yeah. What's that? Brett Zinger? Yeah. <laughs> Bretton, actually, if I think it's total B-R-E-T-T-O-N. Is that what my name is? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if it, if, if Oh, that's a good point. I wonder, is Bretton? Bretton. <laughs> but he goes by Brett. At least that's what I have on my phone. Okay. But he was Mr. <laughs> Zinger back then. So, you know, Amazing. which is a great name. But he he would, you know, show films. And it was like 30 kids. And the majority of kids, if I was to, you know, generalize, were, were like knuckleheads. Like, you know, kids that either got in trouble, like, mm-hmm. you know, so they didn't, you know, pass, you know, uh, first semester or they just didn't, or truant. Or like me, they didn't do homework sometimes because they couldn't do the homework. Maybe they had learning disabilities or things that we weren't as as keen on, you know, in, in 1994, in the spring of 94, uh, that we might be, you know, able to sniff out sooner now and be able to help them. 
So I was a little bit of an aberration. And that was made very clear to me by like, after like the second time we have done that, we, we'd end it with a journal entry. And I remember handing in my journal or maybe getting it back like after, but it was a, a private moment between he and I. And he goes, and he's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He goes, why are you here? Like all these kids, like, like, you know, or, you know, knuckleheads or this or that. And, and not that he was judging them, but he, yeah. but like, there was something that he took to my writing in, in this thing. And, and I go, oh, I just, I don't do homework. He goes, okay. All right. Whatever. All right. We'll see you next week. Okay. Something like that. So, he he showed two films. The first, I mean, he should, probably showed more, but the two that I remember most, and the one, and it's perfect because the first one is like a short film. And it's one that we talked about all the time. I know, I know Bill uh, is a big fan of his uh, the occurrence, an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, yeah. which won you know an Oscar, and, you know, but it was also an early Twilight Zone. They 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 used it for the Twilight Zone, and that's an incredible you know short film. Mm-hmm. And so I remember being like, oh, this dude, okay, he's going to show you know cool shit. Like all right, and he and he wonders why I'm here. Like he's already kind of like yeah. a fan of the way I think or joke around or like. He knows I don't belong here, and I know I don't belong here. Not not necessarily that I don't belong with these people, because I think I do belong with these people, but I don't think I belong here. I mean, mm. we or whatever it is. It wasn't, again, judging these other kids. It was just like, I, I don't know. Then he shows Citizen Kane, one class. Now, that's a long-ass movie. Mm. That's a black-and-white movie. These are already kids that don't pay attention. These are already kids that don't give a shit about anything. That You know, who knows their situation at home? And I... I may have been the only one awake at the end of it, and I loved it, and I was riveted. And then I just, then I just started reading up about it. And, you know, there are tons of books at that point, a Pauline Kale book, a, you know, mm-hmm. interviewing, you know, like books about uh, reading about Orson Welles and just the way it was, and the symbolism in it, and how it was the first for all. And, and 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 it really unlocked like this curiosity of how movies were made. I'd always loved movies. I was lucky. My mom took me to go see plays, musicals. Dad took me to go see movies. Like we always went, we watched tons of movies at home. But I wasn't curious about how they were made. And that movie kind of changed it for me. And so that led to going to see, like, another great experience, you know, Pulp Fiction. You know, because this was 94, 95, you know, into that. And that was the first movie I went to go see multiple times in the theater by myself. Yeah. First time I bought a screenplay was Pulp Fiction, you know. Like, then it became this, this thing that I could do by myself, whether I was feeling good or bad. And it was that moment that, that absolutely unlocked it. It was what he saw in me and then what he shared with people and his enthusiasm for it. And yeah, I think it, I think it was absolutely a, a life changing moment, and for the life that I'm li- living now, and the thing yeah. I have to do for a living while while living, yeah. <laughs> uh, thus far, Jason lives, yeah, exactly, <laughs> all that, all that <laughs> shit coming right back. Um, but yeah, that's it, man. There I mean, Mr. Zinger, Mr. Zinger, yeah. I like your Orson first Wells. first film was Mary Poppins, and your life changing film was Citizen Kane. I mean, these are big. I know it Big sounds numbers. like I always sound like a dick when I say Citizen Kane, no, 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 but, I, but it's the truth, and and it comes up again here, you know, because it's it's just a fucking humdinger of a film, and it's, it's so obnoxious thing. and ostentatious and like and ballsy. Yeah. I mean, that guy was coming at that guy was coming after the number one dude that could like end you. Yeah, that's the that's the stuff I didn't understand. I think because I saw it very young as well, mm-hmm. and I loved it, but I didn't understand the the hearst of it. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. The press stuff, I, I was too yeah. young to get with that, but... I was only starting to get it. I just, I just... But I also loved the Jebediah-Leland relationship. Yeah. I loved yeah. their relationship. I've always gravitated more towards the the Joseph Cotton roles in things that I've that I've picked. Yeah. You know, being the guy next to the guy, you know? That's why I love Jesus Christ Superstar, because it's really about, you know... Jesus. It's about Judas or yeah. Salieri and Amadeus, you know? Like, yeah. like, this movie I did with Lee Pace, where he plays, you know, John DeLorean. I play, like, the guy next to the guy. Your beard. <laughs> I'm beard, yeah, yeah. Or maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I, 
I was always this, the guy next to the guy and all the, with all these other people. <laughs> sort of like, sort of what it ended up becoming, you know, like, you know, but what it always was, you know, yeah. I would argue. I mean, the thing I love about Citizen Kane at a basic level is it, if you haven't seen it, it sounds and looks like it's going to be really boring. Yeah. And it's fucking great. Yeah. It's not boring at all. Yeah. No, the structure is very challenging. I even love the ad campaign. Yeah. The ad campaign, one of the lobby cards was just, you know, Orson Welles sitting there like in that pose that he does. He looks like, you know, he's on the top of a mountain. And then it has all the different characters, like, you know, probably like four or five on each side. And one's like, he's a saint. He's a scoundrel. He's a <laughs> bastard. He's a genius, you know, like, and I'm just like, yeah, can't anyone be all these things to all these different people? I just found it to be, yeah. I'd say like that, that and I'm not there are probably two of my favorite biopics because they're a profound way, like structurally how to, how to tell the story of, of a, of a person's life. I'm not there with Todd Haynes, the yeah, Bob Dylan Bob movie. Dylan. Yeah. With the five with those, Bob Dylan's. Yeah, five or six, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's brilliant. I think, and, and, yeah. and, then, and then the thing it comes back to where, where it always is like, the punchline on all of it is like, the fucking dude was 25. He's 25. <laughs> That's fucking nuts. But he was probably 23, 24 when he was like writing yeah. it. Like, and, I, and I know, you know, Herman Mankiewicz, you know, has, has tremendous hand. I have actually never, haven't seen that film yet. Um, oh, I've seen that film and then yeah. I've had, I mean, I want to, because I don't know the facts. But yeah. All I know is that everyone has debunked the story that is in that film. Yeah. Or at least there's a version that. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. He's obviously a very clever boy, whatever. Whatever he did. Yeah. yeah. He definitely. And definitely, you know, and he knew, he knew how to, but Orson Welles could also do card tricks. You know, what a guy. What a guy. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that I, I, I find it to be bonkers to be yeah. able to do that. And, and yet it makes total sense that someone can come in with being like, well, here's how it's normally done. And he goes, why? <laughs> like, yeah. why not? You know, just be like, what about this? But it's good to have the reason why, like how it's normally done. I think that's important. I think it's important. He respected the medium, but then he also like fucked with it and broke it. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. I was happy to be introduced to it at a point where I was looking to break things, but in, in a positive way or breakthrough, you know, yeah, that, that first phase. Yeah, Mr. Singer. You've had a few Mr. Singers, haven't you? I have, yeah. By good good luck, good timing, yeah. or just good fortune or, uh, yeah, staying open to, you know, having them cross paths. Yeah. It's like what you, if I may. Yeah. Sometimes you would say in Ted Lasso, mm -hmm. uh, people are angels to each other, mm -hmm. turn up when they need them and say the right thing when it needs. Yeah. And Mr. Zinger was one of them to you. 100%. 100%. Love that. Yeah, yeah. What's the film that you most relate to, Jason Sudeikis? This was one that I realized I related to it, but then it was expressly, uh, or, no, like, it was expressed to me directly, I guess is the way. Um, Whiplash. Love it, love loved it. Piece one of the, one of those movies that when in the first open in the opening scene, I was like, I had to pause it and get on my phone to be like, who made this? What is going on here? Right. Like where I felt so taken care of, yeah. it felt so intentional. It felt like it like, and it makes sense that it was you know that you know Damien Chazelle had made you know a short film earlier. It, it but but regardless of that, mm. I was just like, what is going on? And then found out. Okay, great. Yeah, eighteen minutes short and Okay, great. Play. Never 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 looked back. Download the the soundtrack right afterwards. Look for the screenplay. Same way I was with Pulp Fiction after I saw it the yeah. first time. I was just like, "What is this? How is it? How is this done?" <laughs> and that's it. There's no part of me that like I'm just glad it exists. You know, there's yeah. no part of me is like, "How do I do? How do I? How do I meet this guy? How do I do? You know, like least, and maybe that's just you know, an error in like my show business acumen. But like for me, it was just like I'm so like this has always been here. It's one of those things that I felt like it's always been here, and I understood as well as I could understand it fully. And then the way it was expressed to me directly is by our, our dear friend and former coworker Julia Linden, who was my assistant at the time, was like, of course you love that movie. You're both those guys. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> 
What did you say, young lady? <laughs> you know, and I, you know, because because she's as 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 you know yeah. smart and thoughtful and kind and clever <laughs> and funny as they come. You got to sit with that. And I'm just like, oh shit. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I got a little bit, a little bit of both those characters in me, and and they and they fight constantly, constantly. But the thing that is interesting about Whiplash, mm-hmm. and I think, oh. Yeah. Damien Chazelle's films, all of them, mm-hmm. including Babylon, I think, is that one theme in them is kind of creative obsession and mm-hmm. and perfectionism and obsession and work, big on work, which mm-hmm. I love, mm-hmm. as you know. Mm-hmm. But they always seem at sacrifice to relationships. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Whiplash is an exception in that I would argue, as and I fucking love the film, he's not a very nice guy, Miles Teller. No. And he's not a good boy. Like there's, there, it isn't like he he goes on a journey where he loses his soul or anything. It's mm-hmm. like he he never he's he's focused entirely on this creative endeavor, mm-hmm. which he achieves. But at what cost would usually be the question. And yeah. I would argue at not much cost to because he didn't he didn't like his governor or his you know what I mean. Like right. he he there's a lack of I don't think in the film, but in him sort of lack of heart or, or yeah no I, I agree and you know and, I mean? and you know to to reframe it slightly is I think part of the reason I was you know into it and I have and I didn't rewatch it since since you know I, mean, I watched it like three or four times really yeah. during that whole time um, when I was in theaters and and through that Oscar stuff and all that that it mostly is probably like in relationship to to uh, student teacher you know yeah. mentor pupil you know maybe maybe you know father son from that perspective of like guy you know guidance mm. um that's probably mostly where where it it resonates with me you know but that's only the part that of myself that i have access to you yeah, know what i mean yeah. like we sometimes sometimes sub, subconsciously like oh, i'm gravitating towards it for that for that reason too yeah. but i'm not how how often is how is willing to go there or 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 as as capable you know, to go to go there within my, you know, the way you know you can't tickle yourself, you know, in that way. It's like that would be the the positive version. Can you really see like you know your, your shit, or does it does it? Yeah. Do you only notice it when you look back in the rearview mirror and be like, oh wow, I done this 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 this, or I love this 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 yeah. this, you know? Well, I would just say you have more more heart than Marcella in in, in with us. I would, yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe, but, but maybe the you know. But I understand the. The I would hope I, I work I, obsession side of it. And I the, guess, but I think, but I think there was he was still navigating that there. Mm. I mean, I don't know. It feels like that. I, I look at the you know the father figure by Paul Reiser to be like yeah. a guy who is you know gentle and kind, and he wasn't going to there because there's a lack of respect there. But that doesn't mean it's not inside him, and it's just lurking around the corner. And the second he lets go of some other things, maybe that'll be the like, yeah. what what sun shines on his face, you know, a little bit. But you know, until we get until we get Whiplash too, you know. Whip symbol. Whipped symbol. <laughs> I'd love Whip Lesty. I'd love Whip Lesty where he, he, he goes home to his dad and he's like, I'm sorry, man. I love well, you. Well, yeah, and it's just, it's just <laughs> a, a, a guys, hour nice. and a half dinner of that. Yeah. Just be like, you know, them looking at family photos. And the dad says, do you want to play me the drum solo you just did? And he goes, yeah. And they listen to it and he goes, that's really good. It's great, son. <laughs> loud. Boy, oh boy, it's loud. You did yeah. great. Was your teacher <laughs> impressed? <laughs> so he gave me a nod. Yeah. You know, you know how he is. <laughs> He sort of raised his eyebrow a little bit. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. Great answer. Here's probably why everyone's listening. What's the film you found the sexiest, Jason Sudeikis? Ooh, what a cliffhanger. So that was episode 261. 
head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for all the extra stuff and the video and the whole episode uncut and ad-free. Remember to watch all of Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus seasons one to three. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a lovely thing to read, it helps numbers and my neighbour Maureen loves reading them. Thank you so much to Jason for being so great and giving me his time and changing my life. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to iHeartMedia and Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week for the thrilling conclusion, part two with Jason Sudeikis. I hope you're all well. That is it for now. In the meantime, have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more. Online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my name is Maureen. Yeah, thank you. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.